Uh, it's amazing to me how each one has his or her own little difference, uh, but yet God uniquely uses that individual in those songs. And may we never get tired of hearing about the cross, for the cross is what's changed everything. And so I hope that you never get bored with the cross of Jesus. Romans chapter 13, and in honor of God's word, would you stand with me as we read in verses 8 and following. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Lord, again, we ask you to just reveal your presence to us. Father, we have sought this morning to worship you, to tune our hearts in with your will, to see your holiness, to see your your beauty, to see you high and lifted up. I pray for these next few moments. May all of our thoughts be drawn to you. And I ask you, Lord, to do a work in our lives. Many are struggling. Many are battling. Many are broken. And we need you, Lord. As we've sung this morning, we desperately need you. I pray just a calming presence over our lives in the midst of this chaos. And may we rest in your unchanging promises, your never-ending grace. And Lord, I always want to ask if there's someone here that has not believed in you for his or her salvation, that today he or she would do that before leaving. Father, please fill me up with your spirit. Enable me to preach your word for your glory. In Jesus' name, and amen. Thank you, church. According to the scriptures, we owe the debt of love to each other. This is a debt that constantly must be paid. When Paul says we owe, what does he mean? Well, the word owe means to have an obligation to pay. What is he exactly saying when we owe or we are obligated to love each other? Well, simply stated, we have a debt of love. Now, let me qualify. Love here is not just an affection. There's many Greek words in the New Testament for love. But the word we're talking about is the sacrificial love with which Jesus Christ loved us. That is the word love that we're talking about. It's not the brotherly camaraderie love. It's not the erotic love between a husband and wife. It's it's a commitment. It's a commitment to each other. In context, the kind of love we have for each other should 
resemble the love of Christ. See, I think this is extremely important that we understand this, that I understand this. Because all throughout the scripture, we are admonished to love one another. We are told that love hides a multitude of sin. (laughs) How many of you ever heard, boy, that's a face only a mother could love. Why are they saying that? Because love hides even ugly, right? Two of you believe that. But the point is, we have an obligation because of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, what we have to come to the realization of is this. The moment you and I believed in Jesus Christ, we surrendered our will to Him. It's no longer our will. He purchased us with His precious blood. He bought us on the cross of Calvary. And because you and I are redeemed, because of the gospel, we have no excuses for not loving each other. Paul begins this with a command. He begins by telling us in verse 8, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. Now some people totally miss this. They take this and say, well, see, you're not supposed to borrow money and blah, 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 blah. That's not what the text is about. Paul is reiterating the command of Scripture that Jesus gave the disciples a command, not a suggestion, not a a, a recommendation, but a bedrock command from the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to love one another. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment. This is Jesus. How many believe Jesus says what he means and means what he says? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We have no excuse because of the gospel. And if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, may today you look to him for your salvation. May you abandon all your attempts at being good, at turning over a new leaf. May you abandon all those attempts at righteousness by yourself and come to Him believing in His finished work. And you will pass from death unto life. So because of the gospel, it is possible that you and I can love one another because it is commanded in Scripture. So it stands to reason if we refuse to love one another, then it is sin. Preacher, we want you to get up there and preach on adultery. We want you to preach on fornication. We want you to preach on the evil of this world. But don't cross over and preach and call me not loving someone a sin when the Bible does. We pick and choose in the Scripture what we want to believe. The things we're good at, oh, we champion those. But the things we fail at, we don't want anybody to point that out to us. And we certainly don't want the Holy Spirit to shine the light on that. I find it interesting. It's human nature. But isn't it interesting that we as humans have the knack for pointing out certain sins and then letting others go? There are certain grotesque sins that we want to champion and be out and cause in front of, but the little white sins, the secret sins of the believers, we don't want to touch. 
But the Holy Spirit reaches down into those areas and exposes through the Word of God these areas that we need to work on in our lives. Not only is this a command, but I would like to tell you that we could follow the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled this perfectly. Everything he did was based, motivated, out of love. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It was his love that motivated him to allow his, or to send his son to the cross. He modeled the ultimate expression of love. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's the greatest expression of love. Love in the Bible is, this word love that we're talking about, is not just a word. It is action. It is action. And all throughout our churches, we used to wear shirts and stuff, and we want to be like Jesus, and we champion this phrase, we're to be just like Jesus, and Christian means to be Christ-like. Well, if we say we want to be like Jesus... And we say that we're being transformed into his image, then should we not love one another? I mean, think about this. Was it not Jesus when the lady with uh, a very, a very bad past comes in and breaks the alabaster box with the costly perfume and ointment and oil and begins to anoint his feet and dry with her hair. And what does Judas say? Well, we know what he is now. Well, why are we doing this money? We could save this and do a lot with this. Be wary of the only one that's always focused on money. I'm just telling you. What did this woman experience about Jesus Christ? She experienced his love. It's recorded in the eternal scriptures what she did for him. How about those who were blind? Those who could not see? And Jesus touched them and healed them. What about those who had come near him shouting unclean, unclean because they had leprosy? And in his love, he touched them and caused them to be clean. It stands to reason if we say we want to be like Jesus and that we are being transformed into his image, then we should grow in this matter of love one for another. Why should we love one another? Why should we love one another? Well, I want to just tell you, first of all, because the Scripture says so. I mean, that's kind of basic, isn't it? I mean, we should love one another because the commands of the Scripture. Over and over, the Bible has told us that we should love one another. And if that's all, if that's the only reason, that would be enough. But yet, the Bible tells us another reason. Because love fulfills the law. Look in verse 8 with me. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled 
the law. There's a lot of back and forth in the commentaries. These scholars arguing back over what is meant here. I think it's very clear when he refers to the Ten Commandments, he's talking about the law. He's not talking about Jesus just saying, love the Lord and love your neighbor. He's talking about the actual law. And what does it mean when he says love fulfills the law? Well, do you know in the Ten Commandments, let's take the Ten Commandments for example. In the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are between man and God. Those are the commandments that we honor Him. The last six are between us and others. Our relationship with others. That's how the Ten Commandments are broken down. And it's interesting how that we see Jesus said when he asked, when he was asked by someone, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? What is he saying? Well, he is saying, if you will love the Lord with all your heart, you'll not want to break those first four commandments. And if you love the Lord with all your heart, you're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will not want to break those six commandments. If I love you, how can I steal from you? The very act of my stealing from you proves I love myself more than I love you. And that's what he is saying. Jesus says when you love the Lord, you're not going to want to violate these commandments. And then you love your brothers and sisters. You're not going to to do evil towards them. If you love God, there won't be any little gods between you and him. If you really love God, I'm not talking about you, you love God when you need him. I'm talking about if you really love God with all of your heart, with all of your might, with everything you have. If you really love God, you're not going to let any little, little G-O-D-S's in there. You're not going to do that. And if you really, really, really love your neighbor, you're not going to murder him. Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because look at this verse. Here's the problem. The problem when you don't love is you're loving yourself more than your neighbor. And that's exactly where we are in America. We're so narcissistic. We're so self-consumed, self-absorbed. The advertisers have caught on to this. They advertise that. And there's whole movements based on having it your way, being your way. And listen, I've already told you, when you surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you surrendered yourself to Him. He is now... Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E of your life. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, that means you're putting your neighbor up here. You're not putting yourself up here and your neighbor below you. You're putting your neighbor up here on the same plane, which is exactly what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. But you don't know my neighbor. I don't know your neighbor. I don't know your neighbor. But I have to probably suspect that your neighbor probably says the same thing about you 
if you feel that about your neighbor. Number three, love does no harm. I conclude and I finish reading verse 9 and 10 there. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are, are, are all summed in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Jesus was asked, well then, who is my neighbor? Just smugly like that. And Jesus said, look around. Look around. You see, the idea behind the word love means doing the best good for the one being loved. So by definition, genuine love will do no harm to others. See, we have no concept of love. I love race cars. And in the same breath, I love my children. Now, come on, man. You love your kids more than you love a race car. You have no concept of love. There's different types of love. You're fond of them. Right? I love my wife. I love my ferret. Some guy said that. You got a ferret in your house? I mean, and you're, you're putting that on the same plane as your wife? I mean, think about it. I love my rodent like I love my wife. Well, that's real flattering of your wife. See, we have no concept of love in this. start dating in junior high and high school. Oh, I love you. You don't know love. You don't even know how to spell your name, Jack. (laughs) Loving someone is not doing what they want, right? It's doing what's best for them. If you truly love someone, you may be required to do something painful to you and to them, but it's what's best for them, i.e. whipping them, disciplining them. Sometimes it might be removing someone from your life. Wait a minute, that just goes against love. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say you have to be besties. It says you've got to love them. I don't know what a bestie is anyways, but went to the Cincinnati Reds game last night. We are in a, we're, we're, we're in trouble, guys. I mean, we're in trouble. We go to the Cincinnati Reds game. This woman, older than I, much older than I, gets out of the car. She's fixing her hair. First thing she does, walks right out from the car taking a selfie like this. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, she's going to hit by a car? And I thought, I ain't even going, yeah, I want to see what happened. I'm going to watch this. And but we are in trouble. I saw someone the other day had a tag, and they circled it in the tag of the clothes. It says, take off children before you wash the clothes. And then in the caption, it said, we are in trouble. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. We have no concept of love. How many of you have heard this? If you love me, you would do this. That's not love. That's blackmail. We've all heard those things. See, we have no concept of love. And when it comes to the church, we have no concept of what it means to love. You know, we've got some people in this church going through really difficult things right now. I mean extremely difficult things. And you know, guys, I want to tell you this. As a pastor, and, and I'm not meddling in the flesh, I want to tell you this. When you tell someone 
I'll pray for you. If you're insincere and it's not genuine, he or she will know. But in love, if you're sincere, they'll know it too. And what we need more than anything in our church is to make sure, and I think this is a very loving church, to make sure we're loving one another. I think sometimes we worry too much about the aesthetics of everything that's going on, that we're structured and, you know, it's smooth, flowing service. And sometimes people come in here and they have burdens that we don't even know what they're going through. Sometimes someone might lash out at you, and you don't know. I didn't do anything, but you don't know what they're going through. You don't know the backstory. As a pastor, I know perhaps a little more than some of you may know about different people in their lives and what's going on, and I can tell you this, that everyone is suffering somewhere, somehow, some way. Everyone is hurting, and what they need more than anything is they need a loving church, a church that is loving like Jesus, that is not fake, it's not pretense, it's not worried about the outside, it's worried about the inside, and needs to genuinely love one another and know that, listen, I would never harm you, you never have to look back at me because I love you, I'm going to be behind you, I'm going to support you, I am going to love you the best I can like Jesus loved me. Will I fail? Absolutely, we're going to fail. But we need that in our church. You know, sometimes love requires confrontation. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. I hate, anybody like confrontation? I hate, now I like to watch confrontation between other people. I don't know, is anybody else with me? I mean, I like to, it gets kind of, like, woo, you know, this is like, get good. You know, two women at Walmart fart and I, uh, fight, and I'm like, get to, I didn't mean to say that. They come out. <laughs> they might have been doing that too, but uh, two women at Walmart <laughs> fighting. Not, anyways, uh, you know, Becky caught it. She's about to die back here. I've lost y'all. It's over. Sometimes love involves confrontation and discipline. That really was a mistake. Number four. Loving each other reveals we're disciples of Christ. This is extremely important. Jesus knows where he's going. Picture with me. He's had his disciples together. He's trained them. He has trained them with intensity for three years. He knows he's headed to the cross. And after the cross, he knows he's going back to be with the Father. And he's leaving the disciples on this earth. And he is releasing them. And he is empowering them to take this gospel to the ends of of the earth. And he gathers them together. And in the midst of teaching them, he tells them something that we've quoted a lot of times in church and we read over it and we really don't think about this. But he says, listen, in John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now listen to me. Jesus didn't say by the way you dress. He didn't say by carrying around back in those days the big scrolls and beating everyone over the head with the scrolls. He said there's one identifying mark of you in this age. It wasn't even the miraculous signs. Now we know that the signs that they had were a gift that were foundational to the church. 
But there were people, remember, who could do things, replicate them as sorcery with an evil power. So he didn't even talk about that. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures he says, you know, Lord, we did great things in your name. We cast out devils. We, we raised the sick. We, we healed. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. The distinguishing mark Christ leaves upon the shoulders of the disciples that they are in fact his followers is if they have love one for another. You know what the worst testimony of a church is? A divided, fighting, spatting church? That is the worst testimony of a church. You know what the best testimony of a church is? When a church is loving one another, serving one another, serving the Lord together. That's what Jesus Christ said. We show that we belong to Christ Jesus because of the love we have for each other. And if we refuse to love one another, then it's sin, and we are revealing that we're walking in sin. And I've never had someone in any church I've ever been, well, we've been in two churches all my life, but I've never had anybody that I've even known come up and call you out and say, listen, you're sinning, and brother, I'm coming to you because you're not loving your brothers and sisters of Christ. No one's ever called them out. But I've heard many stories of someone hearing a, 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 a rumor from someone else and confronting something that they're doing some other kind of sin, gossiping or lying or something like that, but they've never confronted anybody for not loving one another. So where do we go from here? I've already told you again and again, and I constantly want to say it, and I'm repetitive on purpose because we've got to get over this. Making excuse, we quit making excuses for God. His word works. Just do it. And I keep telling you, because of the gospel, we're redeemed. Because of the gospel, we can do this. When God's word tells us we can do something, when he commands us to do something in scripture, we can do it. Because we're redeemed, because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can love one another. If you're refusing to love someone right now, why don't you confess that and repent today? You might say, well, you don't know what he or she has done to me. I don't. And you're absolutely right. But I promise you this, they haven't done to you what you have done to Jesus. Fact. They haven't done to me what I've done to Jesus. Why don't we just be obedient to the scriptures? Why do we have to make this complicated? Why do we have to have a plan of a plan of a plan of a plan before we can get together and have a committee meeting and how are we going to address this and what's our vision? I'll tell you what our vision is. This is the vision. Just do it. Man, I was bogged down a few years ago reading all these books on vision and how to cast a vision for your church. Man, I was reading this and reading that, and this guy said this and that, and I was so confused until you come to the authority of the Word of God and just do it. Just do it. Why don't we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, resolve to love each other? Why don't we just confess our self-centeredness? Why don't we just put that aside and start loving each other like Jesus loved us. Why don't we start loving other churches? You know, I began to be convicted about this. 
found myself being critical of other churches. I, you know, I know little bits and things about it, but I'm not in their church. I don't know exactly what they're doing. And who am I anyways to criticize? Why don't we just start loving other churches? Why do we have to be in competition? We're in competition against the devil. Right? I mean, if I'm fighting the devil, I'm not going to look and say, what? <laughs> you're a Methodist? I want them fighting beside me. If you believe in Jesus and you're saved, let's put on the armor of God and let's go. Let's love people. Men and women are dying for it. I went to the fair Monday against my better judgment. But it's always entertaining to be at the fair, any fair. They're all fairs are the same. And I have literally never, I walked around the fair and I have, it dawned on me clearer than I've ever seen in years past at the amount of people starving, literally dying for attention. For someone just to say, I love you. The way we are in our land today, I mean, everything is so sexualized and everything is so uh, just made to be dirty people were afraid to express love the church I grew up in Billy Knoll I've told you a hundred times he would stand at the door and when you came in everyone got a kiss man woman boy girl it didn't matter and if you were a visitor and we didn't get to warn you beforehand, welcome to Abundant Life Baptist Church. He, but I'm telling you, he was as genuine as anyone ever. And he loved people when he expressed that he carried candy. Today, if I go back to, the, well, he, his health hasn't been real good, but in years past when I go back to a visitation at the funeral home or something, I'd see him, he'd have a bag of candy he'd give me in his pocket because he always supplied me with candy. And uh, just a just a, a giant in loving others. Now, I'm not telling you men to kiss me. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just using that as an illustration. But I'm telling you this. Guys, there's enough hatred. There's enough fighting in the world. There's enough ego in the world. This is not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. And listen to me, you and I are never more like Jesus Christ than when we love someone like he does. It's easy to love people that are lovable. And sometimes it's very difficult to love people that are not lovable. And it is extremely difficult to love people that hate us. But you know what? God's way works. And if we just obey the scriptures, He will do a work in our lives. And wouldn't it be great if someone came to you and said, you must be a Christian. I've observed the way you love people. 
There's something different inside of you. I had a discussion with a, a gentleman that goes, he's another pastor, and we were talking, and he was telling me his son got a text from one of his friends. And his son is a, is a fine young man. And his son's in high school, and his friend's in high school. And his friend texted him and said, I, I don't know what it is about you, but I want what you got. And he said, I don't even know what you got, but I want it. And they were able to take the gospel and lead that fella to the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if someone said of you, man, I want what you got. They're not going to see that in your great scholarly mind, or they're not going to see that in your wonderful talents and abilities. They're going to see that in your love because it's what's missing in our land. The prince of this world, the devil is a person of hate. He's getting white people to hate black people and black people to hate white people and he's getting all these Democrats hating Republicans, Republicans hating Democrats and he's getting us all this. Listen, if we would just love one another, God would take care of this stuff. But what do we do? We buck up and we fight it and we do it and we go against the grain and we do it our way and we're always torn up and our guts always bothering us and we're always fretting and stressing and striving and fighting and man is anyone else exhausted with that stuff wouldn't it be easier to just do it God's way my commandment my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you shall we pray